The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Tuesday, March 31st, the year 2020. March, uh, fun fact, March has now been going on for 333 years. I don't know if anybody realized that. March will not end. It's the longest month in the history of mankind. Uh, to join me to talk about why March has been so long and other stuff, Brady Griffin and you know why March is the longest month? What is that? It's madness. It's, it's it's March. Well, not this year. Uh, unfortunately, not this year. So yeah, no, no, yeah. This is the uh, this is the final. We you know you're listening to this on the final day of March. I'm not like just because of this uh, Corona situation. It does feel like the uh, month has dragged on a touch. There haven't been sports in several weeks. Um, you know, times are tenuous. Weird times, unprecedented times. Um, things are changing in the world. Uh, you know what else changed? They added uh, Google Podcast. That's, this is how crazy the world is right now. They added Google Podcast to the Apple operating system. Cats and dogs, Brady, sleeping in the same bed. Six feet apart, but in the same bed. Uh, and you can find the Pick 6 Podcast on Google Podcast. Available on iOS. It means everybody, not just John Breach with his little Android. Yes, that's right. John Breach, green texter. Noted green texter, John Breach. I have a green texter in my close circle at work, my close circle of my non-work friends, my real life friends, and a green, my, my own brother, my only brother, my, the, the, the Charlie Brinson who I grew up with, I've known my entire life. He is a green texter as well. I just can't get away from him. Drives me nuts, but you know what? Now you too can listen to Google stuff on your iPhone, which I'm really excited about. I'm happy about. However, uh, we do all judge um, the, the, the green text that comes in, do we not? Yeah, it's just yeah. oh no, we hate the green text on an airplane. I can't text you. It doesn't work that way. Like I've got to email you. That's a whole other issue. If I want to send a GIF, a funny little image yeah. or something like that, yeah. it takes four. It takes four and a half hours to upload. You do it. We do it with a blue text. Seconds. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I'm not down with the green, down with the blue. So. I do, I do, you know, I dislike the idea that we should all just be beholden to Apple. Uh, but look, I mean, you just don't, we don't, I don't need a green texture in every aspect of my life. Good point. Good point. Um, but you know, look, sometimes you never know what you didn't need until you get something and you're like, it didn't, I didn't even know it existed before. Like hashtag Tiger King. Like I didn't know I needed to watch all seven episodes of Tiger King until I watched it. And then I was absolutely fascinated by the people that exist in this country who are obsessed with tigers and other exotic animals and who are also willing to get a tattoo that says property of Joe Exotic on their body. Who who amongst us isn't property of Joe Exotic at this point? I'm only two episodes in, but I'm excited to uh, sit down in a congenial fashion with my lovely wife and watch the uh, remaining episodes. You know what's fascinating about it? Because this is the only thing I'll say in that regard because I don't want to give away too much. Even though I, I think you understand where this whole show is going and what it's about is it gets weirder and weirder and weirder with pretty much each episode up until episode six. And then it kind of like is what it is. And the ending's not great, but uh, I also don't feel like the, the, this story is done, if that makes sense. Mm. I would, uh, I would agree with that as well. There's more to this story as, uh, as some people like to say, uh, we're going to talk some um, NFL in general. I'm a little frazzled today. Apologies. Uh, talk some free agents and uh, maybe some Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. Look at the remaining free agents. But uh, I do want to ask you, Brady, yesterday on CBS Sports HQ, we did a three-hour. And by the way, Brady Quinn, that's how you know he's a good friend, good sport, uh, did, sat at a desk 
and was on television, you know, the internet, the CBS Sports HQ, our 24-7 streaming sports network, uh, doing this, our, our mock draft show for three hours. And then, you know what? Friend, a consummate professional, he hops into the podcast studio and fires up this bad boy with me after I made him wait for 15 minutes because of a domestic situation that was unfolding uh, here in uh, in Raleigh. And um, this is like Joe Exotic trying to kill Carol Bas- Baskin. Okay. <laughs> um, let's let's not get that far. Um, yeah. Stuff. But I'm curious what you thought about my selection of Tua Tungavailoa at number two overall. Should we pull back the curtain? Should we should we get real about how this all came about? Yeah, absolutely. I said it on the show. So I mentioned this, it. I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast too. I told him that I was taking Tua. Right, but but this is really the origin of you taking Tua. Okay, you don't want to admit it, but this is really the origin. So originally in this mock draft, as we set it up to prepare for this with like forty thousand people who are involved in the mock draft, um, I was supposed to select for the Dolphins, and they have the number five pick. Well, we had set up a conference call. I couldn't make the conference call. And, and so because of that, I couldn't be a part of that draft that was going to be on the conference call. Well, before that conference call took place, I went along like any good GM would do, and I started figuring out what the market was. So I called the Washington Redskins at number two, who was picked by Will Brinson. I called the number three pick. I can't recall who had that spot. with Brian McFadden, excuse me. He had the number three pick. And I called Pete Prisco, the number four. Because I wanted to see what the market was. Sure. It, the Chargers were going to trade up ahead of me what it was for there or what I needed to do to move up and if that was the case. So talk to McFadden, talk to Prisco. Both uh, really weren't sure what I was doing because I just happened to say to them, hey, what would it, what would it take for me to move up to take you on the Dolphins at five? Um, and so I basically what I was doing, my negotiation strategy was let them make the market, see if they're willing to actually use the NFL draft chart to look, look at the value. Or see if they're going to set up something like that's like unprecedented and ridiculous, right? So neither really caught on to the strategy of what I was doing. And then there's Will Brinson. Will Brinson <laughs> says he wants two ones. In fact, he even admitted that he wanted to drain me of all my first-round picks this year as the Dolphins, all three, Correct. Uh, in, in order to move up to number two and, and only take the quarterback at that spot. But he ended up saying that he would give up that number two spot moved back to five for that the five pick, another first round pick, although we didn't get down to, to details, as well as I believe a second round pick. So two ones and a second round pick Correct. to move up from five to two, which is just absolutely asinine. So I was never going to make that move. Um, if you wanted to draft to a tongue of low out of spite, I would then wait until after the draft, after signing Jameis Winston or Cam Newton, which I would have done and announced that during the draft. I would have then looked to make potentially a trade with you for Tua or Dwayne Haskins, uh, knowing that you had no leverage at that point and you had two first-round picks the past two years on your roster and would be at best able to deal away one of them probably for a second-round pick like Josh Rosen was dealt to the Miami Dolphins last year. No way. Year. I can get two first for Tua. No, no, you think that, but with not knowing the the hip injury and maybe your medical staff has a different feel on it, not having an offseason to prepare him for a rookie year, year and all that, there's a lot of moving parts. So, anyways, that was the behind the scenes of all of it. Nevertheless, no, I, but no, but then no, no, but then the, the spite is what you said. No, but then to follow up what happened, you were pulled out of the mock draft pool of the ownership pool and moved to the guy in charge of grading people uh, because of oh yeah, you were you wanted to see what happened. You didn't want to do you don't 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 worry about why. But Ryan Wilson took over the Dolphins. We get on a conference call on Friday morning, and I opened up the conference call by saying, "Hey Wilson, make me literally any offer for the second overall pick, and I will trade you for the fifth overall pick. Just give me five and twenty six, and I'll do the deal." Wilson goes, "No chance." I was like, "If you don't do that, I'm going to spite take Tua at two. I just need you to know that I will wreck this draft and take to it too. If you don't make some kind of deal for me, cause there's a deal to be made. I'm that petty. And he was like, go ahead then. And so I, I took to it. Right. Which I will say in your defense, it did make the draft really interesting. Cause at that point now everyone's scrambling. Cause they were saying to themselves, like, like, what am I going to do if I'm Detroit? I didn't think Chase Young would be here. Now I want to kind of stay put and take him. You also wonder if maybe some teams, you know, wanted to trade up to take Justin Herbert, if they were concerned about, a team that they didn't realize, or like the Dolphins, for example, would be looking at uh, you know Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. So it, it did provide some intrigue to the draft, mixing it up, even though I gave it a terrible grade because you now put yourself in a compromised position, uh, and you could have gotten potentially you know a, a you know a, a future Hall of Famer in, in Chase Young as a defensive end. Um, 
I made things interesting. So we'll just leave it at that. If you haven't watched, please go watch. It is uh, highly fascinating. And then Will Brinson just getting pummeled by even Scott Pioli uh, throughout the course of the draft was entertaining enough. Yeah, Scott Pioli suggested that uh, they should do some recreational drug testing um, down in uh, down at the Washington D.C. office. Oh, it's too late, right? Bruce Allen's already out of there, so that's yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Um, no, I'm with you there. Uh, all right, moving along to uh, other stuff. What would you be doing if you were Brady Quinn, like quarterback on depth chart right now, instead of Brady Quinn? full-time dad slash football analyst? I would be working out probably nonstop, watching a lot of film at home, um, trying to find spaces. Uh, honestly, like what I would do because the facilities are shut down, uh, I would be trying to find a private indoor space that I could talk to the owner, I could get some field time, and I could try to work with a wide receiver or potentially a number of wide receivers, not too big of a group to be respectful of the coronavirus and not spreading it. Uh, but I would find a private location, a spot where we could do that, film that, be able to review it for any technical stuff I was looking to do, go back, watch some film, potentially with those players or by myself. And um, I'd be, probably be t- keeping in constant contact with my coach, you know, looking at installs, things we're tweaking, things like that, and, and preparing myself for the season. So it's, it's funny. It, it's kind of like the year we were locked out. The only difference is – we wouldn't be able to do what we did from a group training standpoint um, because of the limits on that and, and the shelter or the, or the stay-at-home order that's been placed. But honestly, there wouldn't be a whole lot of difference. And um, I'll say to you before this, like, I was at the Cleveland Browns back when we were, we were concerned about MRSA. So, like, I remember being, like, in a facility where guy after guy came back you know, with Mercer, whether it was Joe Gervicious or Brandon Edwards or I think Gary Baxter even had it at some point with Charles Bentley. There were so many guys, Will, like it was concerning as a player. You're concerned about having surgery there in Cleveland. You're concerned about rehabbing there in Cleveland. Uh, it became like a, a big, big, big time concern. I can only imagine, by the way, how that would have been handled by the media if it was in today's like media with social media, et cetera. Because this is back in like 07, 09, right? Or yeah, I mean, even the – even the Buccaneers, when they had the Mercer situation with Greg Shiano, and that was a little bit different because it was, um, you know, Shiano was really under fire for a bunch of other stuff anyway. So people were able to use the, people were more than willing to use the Mercer thing to sort of pile on. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it does feel when it's something that's sort of contained to at least one locker room. And I mean, no offense, Brady, but like, you know, involved with a team that is, you know, not, very successful on the field that it almost felt I, I at least as I recollect it, it, was, it almost feels like it's more of like a well there's another thing the Browns did wrong or something like that no but but I'm just saying just from uh like just from where teams are now and like what their protocols were in place and how they handled it I mean look this is what came from all that the Cleveland Clinic which is one of the most renowned hospitals in the world they actually built a separate orthopedic center where they started having surgery from, they completely redid our indoor facility. Now the, the, in, the, the indoor, the actual field itself was cleaned, sterilized. You weren't a, a allowed in there during the course of the off season, but between 08, 09, they completely redid the weight room, the training room, the locker rooms, the lounge, like e- the meeting rooms, everything, everywhere where it was possible, there could have been the potential of that. They redid all of it. Um, and so, you know, there was a period of time where we couldn't even go in there, even in the off seasons. And we were operating at that time under a different CBA. So there weren't quite as many restrictions. Like you had quarterback school, um, you had, you had all those sorts of things that you could, you know, you could be a part of in the off season where you were there more. So one, like know this for fans out there, like there are different things that have been in place that players and coaches have had to deal with in the past where they, they kind of understand how to, how to, you know, handle all this. It's really the draft prospects and those guys that didn't work out at the combine or didn't have a pro day or have injuries. Those guys are the ones that are, are most impacted, obviously, by all of this and just trying to, you know, put their best foot forward, um, you know, for you know, all the talent evaluators. I think too, like the, at least in terms of the coverage and in the way that something like MRSA is um, is handled and treated by the public and versus like a Corona is like MRSA is MRSA feels. You know, when you start to read about it, it's like a, you know, it's a bacteria. It, it feels more like a, it's like, oh, like 
they're dirty, you know, and like, or like they're dirty. And it's only caused by contact. Whereas like the Corona situation, it feels very much more like an invisible uh, boogeyman type of situation. Does that make sense? Like, like it's sort of, it's lingering. It can, and it's really, really contagious. Like it can spread like crazy. Whereas MRSA, I mean, very contagious, but not going to be spread outside maybe of the Browns locker room if it's semi-contained. Right. Well, yeah. You, and you hope it is, but again, it's, it's, you know, it, it's more contagious. It's it's more lethal. I mean, usually if you're having a big issue with MRSA, you know, you could lose limbs, you can lose body parts. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the mortality rate on that is much more serious. Um, and, and so that's the only thing I was kind of pointing to is like this kind of stuff. I mean, think about it. Uh, I'm not making the comparison to the flu, but when you think about uh, an NFL team and during the season going through, you know, flu season, you know, you're getting vaccinations, but there's times when guys walk in and they're sick and they say, turn around, go back home. And, and they, and they quarantine them, if you will, until they feel better and they make sure that they get the right medicine that they need or whatever they need at that point. But, you know, they don't want to bring in the facility to ensure that, you know, they're not getting other players sick or coaches sick. Like that's a real thing. It happens every NFL season during flu season. And so again, players and coaches and people have, they battle this every year to a degree with the flu. The difference with this thing is obviously that we, don't, we just don't know enough about it, right? It's new. Um, everyone's scared because we're, we're trying to understand the data and the information that we're getting, and we don't know if it's more lethal or, or maybe it's the same as the flu. We don't know if it's uh, more contagious or maybe it's the same. Like We don't really know what we don't know yet, and that's, I think, the scary thing yep. uh, as, as we kind of you know venture on into this. But like I said before, I mean, you obviously have to take every precaution you can, Um you know, just with, with how you go about handling it. And that's where I think, again, for the draft prospects, when I talk to agents and I talk to guys who are representing these guys, they're like, yeah, dude, we're sending TRX, <laughs> these TRX, you know, equipment to help these guys train because they can't train at their training facilities. They, they can't prepare for a pro day. They can't, you know, they're not supposed to be outside. There's no fields open. Like these guys aren't able to do the things they need to do to prepare for their rookie season. And so that's, those are the guys who are most impacted, not only by like the workout standpoint, but you know, even in looking like the, the town evaluators, they have the combine medicals. They have so much tape. They have those workouts. Yeah. So, like I, like I don't buy the idea that these guys like can't get ready for the draft. It's like you can do the draft right now if you needed to. Like you, no like, doubt. Like if you're not ready for the draft, then that's on you. It's been, it's been April 23rd the entire time. Like get out there and, and make some picks. I agree. And like I will be curious to see if the NFL too. Um, and by the way, look, you know, this is a scary time in the world. Let's all do our part and be respectful and, uh, you know, right. Right, no Don't, one no uh, visiting your home that shouldn't be. Um, right, exactly. I, I no, hypothetically think there will there will be pr- there's more pressure put on the scouts for the late round guys, right? Like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys or free agents that you know weren't at the combine, right? They probably were basing everything off their pro day. They they have to base off, dude. Like what this D three school, right? But maybe the kid went to Mount Union. Like what did he do this year? What do you see on film? You're basing it essentially off the scout. And think about the two teams in the Rams and the Broncos who didn't send their coaching staffs to the combine. Like, I wonder if they're now thinking back on that, like, well, would be nice to spend some time at the train station or just casually with a prospect since now we don't get those visits or, or we can't go out there to work them out, right? Yeah, that, that backfired pretty badly, although it means that those coaching staffs were not traveling around the uh, – traveling in, in, in highly concentrated uh, – airports and and uh and everywhere else in late february so they got that going for them yeah right but you know again and again like suppose we think the coronavirus just got here i mean my, my theory is it's probably been here a while like it was we, probably in miami for the super bowl <laughs> dude it's probably been here since november like, like let's be honest if if that's when china first found out about it like that as fast as things spread and as much as this world's connected like it's probably been here for a while we just weren't aware of it i mean i'll just full disclosure i have a friend their their child is now six months old, got sick back in January. They had a respiratory infection. They got tested. At that time, they had COVID-19. And this is back in January. So I know they, that they, they found out they had it. Yeah. And they, the baby had to stay in the hospital, was quarantined for a little bit. Perfectly, perfectly fine. Ended up being on a, on a nebulizer for a while. But after that, you know, everything was fine, perfectly fine. No one in the family ended up having anything from that. They kind of did their part to stay away. But, you know, that was, you know, over, what, two months ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about some NFL stuff. The um, Cam, Newton. Cam Newton. Yeah, there you go. Jameis Winston. Yeah. <laughs> Two former number one overall picks taken wow. in the last less than 10 years. Both free agents. 
Do you think this is, I mean, it is sort of related to Corona. Like I think Cam's, uh, the inability to do a physical is making it difficult for teams to potentially sign Cam Newton. Uh, why, why are these, why is J- James Winston is a former Heisman trophy winning number one overall pick who led the league in passing yards last year and is still in his athletic prime. How is there no market for this guy, Brady? Yeah, I think it just tends to be a year where one, you have a, you know, potentially two really, really incredible prospects in Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, depending on how you look at Tua's medical. So that's, that's, that, that takes away two teams that are eyeing those two guys, right? Yeah. And if you look at just the fact that Tom Brady and Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, you think of like guys of what they've done in this league in comparison to Jameis, like as much as there's upside there, I mean, shoot, the Bucks are case in point. Like they, they're looking at Jameis, they're looking at Tom Brady thinking, ah, I think I'd rather try to win now these next two years than, you know, move on with this experiment, uh, with Jameis Winston. And, and, and look, I, I don't blame them for it against Tom Brady. You know, that's, that, that's a guy that you, again, every team should have had the conversation about potentially drafting him or excuse me, signing him regardless of who your quarterback is. Cause it is the greatest of all time. You should at least have that conversation. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say this is going to be, I, I would say it'll probably be more of the common thread with quarterbacks that are now taken in the first round of drafts, even if it's number one overall, where they rush them to play probably before they're ready and by, you know, year three or four, like they've got to make that decision on him, right? And yep. it's hard because for Jameis, I think his biggest flaw was the fact that he never improved upon the one thing that everyone got on him about on the field coming out of college, interceptions, being a bad decision maker. Now, if I was to tell you this, the most turnover worthy plays in a single season since 2006 belong to these three quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck. What would you say is the one thing those three guys had in common in all three of those years? Uh, Kangol Hat, named Bruce Arians as their coach. That is correct. It was the first year that each one of those quarterbacks was in Bruce Arians' system, their first year. Yeah. And so, like, I think that's actually, like, an, an interesting stat and, like, perspective. And granted, that comes, that stat comes from PFF only because – I saw like, him tweet it earlier. That's how I knew the answer, too. I'm surprised you didn't retweet it. I thought I did. Did you? Trying to stay, I'm trying to ease up off Twitter. Trying not to be on Twitter 24. I actually deleted Twitter from my phone altogether. Good for you. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm taking a sabbatical, much like Will Brinson did. You showed me the way, and I'm trying to follow in your footsteps. Well, I, I think the key is, and not to go off on a bizarre tangent about it, but like, like the the thing that I figured out for these apps and stuff is like, if you get into the habit of using like my default when I'm like, if I don't have something going on, on my phone, like I, I get a free second, I will, you know, I have my phone. I'll just open it and just my default finger movement is to the Twitter app. And then I just scroll crap meaninglessly. It makes you a crazy person. It's bad for your health. There's much better thing, mental health. There's much better things you can be doing. And so if you get, if you get that app out of your life, it makes things easier. I am with you, man. I am with you. I, I actually have enjoyed life more. I've stayed off my phone more. And, and I know this is a time where, you know, you look, you can be forced to do it more because people are quarantined. They're staying at home. Or you can, you know, focus on your family and friends or whoever else and getting in touch with them or for me, like spending more time with my family. But that's been the route I've chosen instead. And it's actually been uh, glorious. It's been a lot more fun to hang out with the kids and the fam instead of looking at Twitter. But anyway, going back to just kind of the Jameis Winston conversation, I think it has to do more about like the laws of supply and demand this year. I don't know that any other year like it would work out quite the same way. Um, and, and so I think it has more to do with that. For Cam Newton, I would actually argue this. I think if I was in his shoes, I'll put out whatever pump-up videos I want, showcase I'm healthy, whatever. I don't care. I don't want to sign with the team right now. I want the draft to come and go, and I want to then have a clear vision of what teams realistically would be willing to bring me in and sign me to a contract that allows me to compete. So whether that's the Las Vegas Raiders, whether that's maybe New England whether that's any other team, whether it's Miami or um, looking out west at the L.A. Chargers, like whatever team, like I would rather wait until I can see a clear picture of what's the situation. Because if I'm Cam Newton, I'm a former league MVP. I'm, I'm all for the videos, by the way. I, I'm 100% buying into his hype videos and everything else. And I'm watching him throw and move and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, he looks pretty darn healthy to me, man. Like mm. I, I, I think he looks pretty good. Like I kind of I kind of like uh, this this Cam Newton with a chip on his shoulder they're trying to look for that next opportunity. So uh, I, if I'm him, I would rather wait for more clarity with what the situation I'm entering into is because I don't look at him as a happy backup. And, and that's why I would not want to see him 
go somewhere where they're going to view him as being a uh, bridge quarterback, if you will. I think the thing with Cam, and I think that's a great point. Um, to me, you don't want to end up. I'm not going to compare Cam Newton to Mike Glennon. That's a, you know, I love Mike. He's my boy, but you know, to, that's unfair to Cam Newton. Cam Newton's obviously a much more successful player, and uh, but I think that the thing you would be worried about, and I think this is sort of what you're getting at, Brady, is like Mike Glennon signed a big free agent contract with the Bears, and he thought he was going to play in Chicago, and then uh, Ryan Pace, who paid him that money, uh, you know, sort of dogged him and took Mitchell Trubisky. And so, like, you don't, if you're Cam, you don't want to sign with the Chargers, then have them trade up and draft Justin Herbert or Tua, Tua and all of a sudden, you know, they're like, well, we're one and four. Sorry, Cam, we're going to see what Tua's got, or we're going to see what Herbert's got. Right. And, and, and you know, case in point, um, and this wasn't exactly how it worked out, but like Nick Foles, widely regarded as one of the best locker room guys. He's a nice guy. You know, it was it had a tremendous role in Philly, being a starter and backup. Um, but then he goes to Jacksonville, signs this big deal. And and I can promise you this. Th- this is what I know. This is an opinion. You know, he was excited about the opportunity. He thought he was going to be the guy. And, and get, again, it's not that they traded up and took, you know, Gardner Minshew where they did. They got him in the right. sixth round. But because of the injury and then how things worked out for Gardner, where he just he got in there with the world on fire, became the guy. There's all this momentum. Even when he that started to fizzle out and Nick got back in there, it didn't really work out. Like that team was a different team at that point in time. It was probably better suited for Gardner. So he got relegated back to that backup role again. And I can promise you this. People are like, well, he was getting paid a lot of money, so he doesn't care. Look, he cared. He went there with the expectation of playing and starting. I'm sure him going to Phil, or uh, excuse me, Chicago has now more than ever to do with him knowing Nagy's system, him being with Bill Lazor, and him looking at that saying, this is a sneaky, really good opportunity for me because they actually have some pieces out around the quarterback spot where, like Tannenhill, maybe I can be that Tannenhill you know, for the Bears this year. Trubisky goes in, plays poorly. I replace him after you know five or six games, and we ended up all of a sudden being a playoff team because of my play. Like, I think that's his mindset to it. Like, I don't think he's going there just trying to be a good guy. Um, and again, just going back to the Cam Newton conversation or even Jameis Winston, I can't see either one of those guys, given what they've done and given, you know, where they were selected, I can't see either one being the type to say, I'm okay to sit in this quarterback room and be a backup. Like, dude, being in Denver, I've said this before, between myself, Tim, and Kyle Orton, like every one of us wanted to play. And we were all so different personality wise and everything else. And so it was tough to then get along. You spent hours in there together. And that's just, you want to have it be, it's, it's why you see a guy like Chase Daniel, who's got what, five starts in his career. It's why you see him keep surviving. Dan Orlowski keeps surviving. Like those guys work because they're not going to threaten the starter. They're going to be a good guy. They're going to help their teammates. And not saying that Cam and these other guys won't, but you know, their whole focus is on them playing, not, you know, trying to help someone else play. Cam is not going somewhere to be a mentor for a younger player. Like, that ain't what he's doing. I think he'd just as soon go and, like, hang out in Atlanta and not play football than, than to do that. And I think you're right with Foles. I mean, that, that setup with, uh, with, with, um, with the Bears is, is actually pretty good for that. The one interesting potential backup would be Jameis Winston. And you wouldn't think of Jameis Winston as a backup, but you know who did? Bruce Arians speaking to our pals Tiki and Tierney last week. Let's give it a listen. I think for him, it's, it's to get into somewhere um, as a backup right now. It looks like all the starting jobs are done. Yeah, Get in somewhere where he can sit, learn a system, maybe a year for an older person and take over, uh, or get in competition with a younger guy. And uh, because he is a super talented and a super hardworking guy. So he said that. He said, go be a backup for now. Sit and learn the system. And the other thing that he said, too, uh, and we didn't have the sound in there, but he, uh, Bruce Arians mentioned that they had Teddy. They, obviously, Tom Brady was their, you know, their reason. And he said, and if we didn't get Tom, we were going to go get Teddy Bridgewater. And then Jameis was playing C. Like right. that's a, he also said the regression of the last two ball games with the interceptions, it was disheartening because he made progress. Then he regressed. I mean, like Arians didn't hold back. He blew up James's spot pretty bad. No. And then that's what you love about BA is he's always going to be honest with you about, you know, what he thinks, what he's feeling. But, and I've said this to you before. I don't know if I said it on the pick six podcast, but the, the best thing that James could do at this point, and this goes back to your initial question is like, why is there not a market for him? Because he was thrusted into play. And look, no matter what people think, there is no, there's no substitute for real game experience. 
but that doesn't mean that that real game experience is uh, is going to benefit you in the long run. Like there are some scarring experiences. There are some times where it's going to look bad. It's part of your resume, right? Like when you look at your entire body of work and your tape, that's your resume. And so if you go in early on, you make some mistakes, you struggle. That's going to be the perception of you is that, oh, you didn't come in and light the world on fire like Baker Mayfield did or anyone else did as a rookie and became this, um, you know, Kyler Murray last year. Like that's going to be the perception. And that kind of carries on with you the, the longer you go unless you take some huge side like Mahomes and you win the MVP early in your career or Lamar Jackson and win the MVP early in your career. So it, it's it's hard because that's just not normal to do that. And I think the, the problem is that now – Let's say he goes and sits behind Drew Brees for two years and Sean Payton gets his hands on him. You know, could he become more improved than a better player when it's all said and done? Or could that be the best spot for him? I think so. Like if I was Jameis, I think I would take less money and I'd go to the, to the um, Saints on a three year deal if I could to be the backup and, and gladly sit behind Drew Brees for the next two years and then hope to be the guy when he's done or if he gets hurt and, and turn things around like Teddy Bridgewater did in, in coupling that into an opportunity. So, uh, that could be the experience there, but like, being a backup to Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, is the probably only scenario that would work. And I still don't think Cam Newton is willing to do something like that. I think he wants a legitimate shot to start, and, and he's willing to maybe wait and be patient before he signs somewhere. All right. There, uh, it's not just the quarterbacks out there. There's another superstar free agent lurking, lurking around the corner. I don't know where I was going to say he was lurking. But Jadavion Clowney is lurking, and you don't want to be lurked on by Clowney. We'll tell you where he might land coming up after this break. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so Clowney, again, like Cam Newton, a guy with an injury history, a guy who's a free agent, a guy who's not had a, a, a market. And uh, uh, Jonathan Jones pointed out on this podcast, too, a few weeks ago. I like to remind people of this, but uh, James Winston had meniscus surgery in February. Like that's not, I mean, that's, I mean, I know that's like a kind of routine situation. Like you feel good about him coming back from it, but that is still a thing, right? I mean, like, you know, and for Clowney, microfracture surgery in the past, multiple injuries last year. Are you surprised he hadn't had a market uh, in free agency given that he plays, you know, uh, he's a pass rusher and he's young and he's a former first round pick with a high profile? No, I mean, you know, everyone's going to go back to that first round grade. And, and that's one of the reasons why you're intrigued, but the injury history is worrisome. Last year on tape, he just wasn't a good scheme fit for Seattle. There wasn't a ton of production in the passing game. Like I think that's unfortunately the issue. You could be a complete player, but if you're not impacting games with your pass rush, it's just you're not going to be highly sought after, especially for the price that he's supposed to have been asking for um, or if he wants to be one of the tops of the market. So that's one of my concerns, I think. And then more so than that, um, you know, durability is a big, a big question mark for me with him. Like, you know, can he be the player they need him to be for all 16 games? I feel like it's 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 hard to see him do that um, year in and year out. So I just I think at this point in time in free agency, it usually comes down to two things. Uh, teams are looking at you and they're saying your asking price is too high for your services. And so maybe you'd be better off just signing a one year deal, whether that's with Seattle or anyone else and proving it and then trying to try to look at free agency next season. Um, or, you know, it's it's a product of 
teams being really concerned about your medical grades and saying we could find someone who probably could provide just as much pressure in the draft this year and is going to come cheaper and is going to probably be more durable throughout the course of their career, given how young you are, but your body's not that young, at least as far as how banged up it is. You know what, Brady? You know what you find out really fast in this in these corona lockdowns? Just how much your spouse respects your job. 100%. And the answer in some cases is not very much. I'm not going to speak to my you know personal yeah. situation. I'll just say hypothetically. Not like AK listens to the podcast, does she? She might start now just to hear what I said. Um, <laughs> a side, a side point. Uh, the Zoom conferences and everything that people are doing now, right? It's become like the infad thing, in vogue thing. So my daughter, they tried, she's in pre K three, mind you. They tried to do that today. <laughs> so it was supposed to be for a half an hour with their teacher to go over like whatever basic thing they're going to do. And then the parents work with the kids later on in the day. So the first half an hour is devoted to essentially trying to get a grasp of all of it for the kids because they haven't seen each other. They're all excited. They're all seeing you know, different people on the screen. So the entire first half an hour was like trying to herd cats. It was like trying to get them all to kind of be quiet. The parents are there. They're trying to kind of partake and muting the phones. But everyone's just saying hi to each other. They're like, yeah. hi, I miss you. Hi, ha, ha, ha. Like it was just an absolute disaster. So I can only – like I actually think for teachers, as much as you know, they're, they're probably like, yeah, it's not that bad having some time off even though you're quarantined – Part of them that have to do these video teaching sessions are probably like, this is an absolute nightmare. Like, I'd rather be in a classroom with these kids instead of doing these these Zoom sessions, if you will. Yeah, uh, we had Robbie had, um, I think it was three. AK described it as three conference calls last like last Tuesday or something like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, so other free agents, very quickly, we mentioned Jameis Winston, uh, Logan Ryan, sort of sneaking out there. Surprised, yeah, he's young, very good player. Yeah, he's relatively young. Like he's 29. I guess he's not that young. I think if you're if you're looking at teams that could really use him, uh, I know we have list, listed as like the Cowboys, Giants, Bears, um, you know, all could use him. Like the Cowboys are interesting because if you look at Lewis, Shadobe, Awuzie, they just signed back Anthony Brown. Like I think they kind of feel good with where they're at. Like they might make that move in the draft. We don't know what's going to happen, but I might take them off the list. Like the Giants and Bears seem to be teams that would maybe make some more sense. Um, to me, as far as, you know, teams that could use them more so than the, than the Cowboys, depending on how, again, the Cowboys feel about their own roster and, and being able to view that. Jason Peters, too old to, uh, to come back for another team. Feels like if the Eagles aren't going to bring him back, then, ooh, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they lost Big V to free agency, the Lions. Right. Well, they've um, got, they drafted to essentially replace Andre Jason. Dillard, yeah. Yeah, Andre Dillard. So, I don't think he's going back there. It doesn't make as much sense. Uh, we've got the Titans, Seahawks, and Chiefs as potential options. Look, I don't know why the Chiefs aren't focused on trying to rebuild their offensive line. Like, I would spend all my time focused on that and then maybe cornerback because those are the two things that I just think they need to be able to do uh, throughout the course of the year. Put up a bunch of points. Keep Mahomes healthy. That's, that's how you do that. And then their secondary has got to be able to actually cover and, and get some turnovers and be able to stop teams who are going to be playing from behind from coming back in games. And so, like, those would be the two positions that I'd be most focused on this offseason. Mm. I can get behind that as well. And, man, it's kind of thinning out. Demarius Randall on the list of best available. This It's a weird free agent class because it felt – it was like a it was like a big headline free agency class. But, like, once you got off the quarterbacks and then with Clowney, like, I mean, it's not – it wasn't that – incredible a, a group of a crop of guys i don't think no i, I was gonna say i think besides the quarterback talk it, it kind of you're looking at teams being able to one use utilize the franchise tag this year um which we thought they were going to do just with the cap going up a new cba you'd only be able to utilize one you know anyway you wouldn't have the transition tag but either way like you kind of anticipated teams using the tag more um so i think maybe that eliminated some of those guys hitting the market um but yeah i, I think more so than ever like I don't know. I think you're going to start seeing teams trying to hold on to the guys they really value and, and utilizing the franchise tag for a year, uh, just with the cap if it continues to keep going up. And then you're going to see, you know, teams not really wanting to spend, you know, quite as much on some of these other guys that kind of make their way to free agency. I think they're going to be viewed a little bit as used goods. Yeah. And the thing too with now with the way that the cap is spiked and the teams have gotten much smarter about how they build out, uh, contracts that they give to players, it feels like these, like if you have a guy who, um, you're looking at that might be a potential free agent. 
he's probably just going to get traded. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like if these guys have two dummy years left on their deals. Teams aren't going to cut them. Teams don't want to take these, you know, some of these teams don't mind holding on to guys and taking the cap hit as opposed to taking a huge dead cap hit because they know the body can at least get them something in return and or, you know, you know, put them on the field and get something out of them. Like Robert Quinn, um, you know, la- like two last year, before last year, you know, 10 years before the Dolphins would just cut him and instead they traded him to the Cowboys for a six round pick. Right. And, and like people look at that as like, oh, it's only a six round pick, but it's like, well, that it's becomes, something. yeah, it's something and it becomes something else too in part of a package deal to move around or, or maybe shoot, maybe it becomes, you know, who knows, right? In the six, you just swear. I, I think I almost did and I kind of caught myself <laughs> midway through. Um, all right. Let's, uh, we haven't talked to you in a while. So let's get just one uh, team, <laughs> team that is gone. Way up in your eyes. Who who not in that? Port? Port. Port's here. Hey, Port. Tell them to come in and say what's up. product that we haven't got sponsored for the show, but we should. It's called Zip Fizz. Uh, incredible energy drink. It's healthy. It's good. It's got a, about a cup of coffee as far as caffeine, but then it's got a ton of B12, and so it's healthy. It's good for you. Did, did you just read a promo on the, on the podcast? Oh, that's just my overall opinion of it because I've pitched to a lot of people. Uh, so let's get one team that sort of shot up in your eyes in terms of uh, how you think their off season's gone, and one team that's fallen, like a you know, winner and a loser, if you will. Um, I think, I mean, look, there's been teams that haven't done anything, right? Um, yeah. Has New England done anything? But see, you always you have like New England and Pittsburgh who haven't done a whole lot. But I don't t- typically tend to look at them as losers because they just haven't been active. Like to me, I would say a big winner is your boy Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Um, yeah, no, I mean, well, here's the thing: is like, okay, so I don't know if we've talked since that trade. We have not. Like there's 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 some things when Pete and I were talking about this, like some concerns about Hopkins. Like, all right, his yards per reception went down last year. He's not separating quite the same. Like, does that stuff start to matter? I don't know. Maybe Bill O'Brien and maybe the Texans were able to see um, the decline of Hopkins before everyone else. And that, and that would be impressive. Well, that and then maybe there was some stuff he was doing off the field that they saw too that were issues. Like again, we thought the Steelers dealing Antonio Brown to the Raiders for a third and a fifth was the dumbest thing in the world. Like, everyone hammered the Steelers for it. Yep. They're like, oh, look at the position they put themselves in. After the helmet fiasco and everything else, who, who had the last laugh? There's I mean, no- the Steelers got Deontay Johnson out of it. Like, they're, they're, they won. Yeah. They, they won that without a doubt. And so yeah. for them to be able to get back and return, what, a second or fourth in David Johnson, like, eliminate David Johnson for a second unless he provides any value. Like, maybe they get a second and fourth, and, and maybe they say, look, this is, like, as good as we were maybe going to get for him. Like, as much as you want to try to say, look, Hopkins has been more productive than Diggs, Diggs is younger. Diggs is faster. Diggs has been able to create more separation. Um, you know, maybe that offer just wasn't there. Like, I don't – I think we tend to view this in a vacuum where we're like, oh, easily the Cardinals won. I don't know. Let's kind of wait and see how this goes. Like, like I, that's, that's – I do keep wondering about it. I'm like, is there – is there a path by in which we look at this back and we're like, okay, you know what? Maya Culpa, Bill O'Brien, you you nailed that one. Like, I, 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 it's hard to find. I would have rather trade. De- I would rather call around trade DeAndre Hopkins and get like two firsts for him rather right. than. But 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 again, like, do we even know that was out there? Like, I no. Know, and we're assuming that like, oh, okay, so he didn't call the Bills. Like, look, I could I could promise you this for the people I know within the Bills organization. There's a reason why they love John Brown. There's a reason why they loved Robert Foster out of Alabama, who was under everyone's radar. You know what? Want to know what they loved about him? They're fast. Speed. Speed and separation. When I went and called a game for them two years ago, um, or was it this past season? No, it was two, I think it was two years ago. We were talking about what they look for to pair with Josh Allen. They said, all we care about is guys who can separate. That's what we want. That's what they were the game's going to. So it's no surprise that they would be more aggressive in going after Diggs because he fits that model. Zay Jones didn't necessarily fit it. And that's why he's not there anymore. And I don't know that Hopkins did either. So um, I just think we need to not like overreact to it right now because who knows what those, that second and fourth turn into, and then who knows you know what what the Texans are able to do. Okay. Um, what about a uh, or did you have a winner? The, Bra- the Browns, I, I think. Again, I, I hate saying that because last year everyone would have said the same thing. Uh, five I, years in a row. Right. I mean, and and we can make that every year, but to get Conklin to be able to get Hooper, I think will be a more reliable option too. Um, you know, just it was the other piece that they ended up batting. Um, uh, the name escapes me at the time. Um, uh, in free agency? Yeah, they, they, they got Cox, oh, okay. they got Hooper. Um, I think they got a legitimate fullback. Andy Janovich. Yeah, Janovich. Like, Carl, it was Carl Joseph, probably. 
And then and Joseph as well. So like those three pieces, like, look, say what you want about Joseph. I loved him coming out of West Virginia. I, I don't know that he ever fit the scheme there in, with, with, with the Raiders. And I think he could really fit into what they want to do defensively moving forward. But I liked all those pieces. Like Conklin's a good get. They needed a fullback. Those guys are hard to find. And it's only going to help take pressure off of Baker Mayfield and get in some easy completions or help out the run game. Like I like what they've done. Um, and, and they're a team that fits into it. The Bengals. The Bengals are a team that, that has spent a little bit and I think made some decent moves. I didn't like that Trey Wayne's contract, though. You know, I, I look at it, though, and I feel like it looks like they can get out of it after two years. And the only thing I'd say in the defense of the Bengals are they typically are able to identify cornerbacks pretty well. Um, have, they, have they been that good at it since Mike Zimmer left, though? I don't feel like they But that's have a question of, like, scheme, though, right? Like, yeah. And, and, like I would, I would look at last year's defensive scheme and be like, all right, like what were they doing? Like maybe there's some things you need to revisit there from a coaching standpoint. But I mean, look, Trey Kirkpatrick's turned out of what you thought. Like you could do on the going down the lines, whether it was um, Leon Hall, like back when they had taken him. I know I'm dating myself, but I'm just saying, like through the years, like William Jackson, I think he's capable enough. Like you could go through the years of, of draft picks they've had in the first round of cornerback or, or other other picks. They've, they've all been pretty good. So I, I don't know. Like that's one I'm kind of curious to see if Trey Waynes can fit into what they want to do with them moving forward. Yeah. And it can be, it can end up being like a two year, $31 million contract. And look, if he's really good, then great. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a huge, crazy long deal. Uh, and if he's, if he's good, he's good. And you know, we'll look stupid. I just thought it was a lot of money that they paid for him. If, if like Bill Belichick had done it, you'd be like, well, he knows something about Trey Waynes. We don't, but the Bengals do it. And you're like, yeah, like who knows if, right. Um, all right. What about a loser? Oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson doing cryptic tweets. I, I keep forgetting what we've mentioned on the show and what we mentioned. We do a Pick Six podcast show. It's going to oh, by Tuesday, starting on starting today. Jeez, Louise, will uh, starting today at four p.m. Uh, our our HQ show will be will will change. We'll go from eight p.m. to four p.m. So if you listen to the show and you want to tune into that, prepare to uh, to pre- prepare to um, ch- alter your plans and your schedule. Deshaun Watson, we mentioned on that show previously last week. He had a bunch of cryptic tweets. Like Drake lyrics that make it sound like he would want to leave Houston. Do you buy or sell the idea that he wants out now that Hopkins is gone? Well, I think any quarterback who doesn't feel like they're either being protected or supplied with what they need out around them would want to look for greener pastures. Uh, this isn't necessarily a contract dispute. I just think this comes down to a guy who was able to win a national championship uh, at Clemson and was put in a position where he had a lot of talent out around him. So um, I think he's looking for that same opportunity now. And moving on from Hopkins, my initial reaction was, how does this make this team any better or closer to winning a Super Bowl? And, you know, I think that the reasonable response is it probably doesn't, especially when that's your number one wide receiver. But, you know, what where you've gotten to at this point, I do feel like they've gotten to a wall. Like, I don't know how you view them, but in my mind, um, the defense isn't what it was three or four years ago. And I think offensively, if you want to put yourself in the conversation of being this dynamic, high-scoring, high-powered offense, um, you know, You'd rather try to buy in on, on some players that can help you become that. I don't know if David Johnson is that or what you <laughs> in the second or fourth round is going to be that. Um, but again, I think you're you're looking for how you can kind of not necessarily rebuild, but reload and and then make a better run at it or give yourself a better chance. And maybe that's the logic behind what Bill O'Brien's doing right now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what about one loser from the offseason? Um. Yeah, again, I think we, we tend to kind of look at the teams that uh, haven't been as active and, and yeah. that way. Um, yeah, that's, that's the problem with free agencies. You're like, like the Dolphins and Browns signed everybody. They're winners. The Steelers and the Patriots haven't signed anybody. They're losers. And then six months from now, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, mean, I, I guess I look at what the Dolphins have done, and I think, you know, they've, they've made a lot of moves and they've brought in guys and, and, and probably them and, and like the Lions like some of the moves that they've made, I think both fit what Patricia want and Brian Flores want. But I mean, man, if, if you don't see that jump or more success from either one of them, I mean, in the case of Patricia and Bob Quinn, they're probably gone. Yeah. And we're looking at Brian Flores, like you then start to look at, all right, is he falling in line with the rest of the Bill Belichick disciples where it doesn't really work? And then look, if Bill Belichick has a bad year, let's say they go six and 10 or seven and nine and they don't win the AFC East. You don't think that people are going to start, aren't going to start saying, Hmm. Maybe the the reason for all that success had more to do with Tom Brady than it was the the genius of what Bill Belichick was doing. Like, there's going to be those people out there that say that, and that's going to reflect poorly on the Brian Flores and the Matt Patricias and everyone else. Little trickle down, without a doubt. And so, like, I look at like Flowers. Like, has he been better at guard than tackle? Of course. 
is that what that team needs to overcome and have a better offensive line? We'll see. Um, you look at some of the other moves they've made, signing Byron Jones, that contract. They don't have the two highest paid cornerbacks in the game. And, and look, Byron Jones might not even play cornerback. He might have ended up playing like a, a hybrid safety position. Yeah. You know, how, how much is that really going to get them? Like, I still think they need help rushing off the edge. Um, they, they still need some help in other spots too. So, uh, you know, I think been, there's a presumption that the Dolphins are going to like make a leap to 500 automatically. Right. And it's like, if they go back to two or three wins, people are going to be like, whoa, the, the Belichick point is great too. Like, I, I really can't, like, I'm not saying that. I think this, but like if Bill Belichick misses the playoffs, there will be a think piece next offseason from someone that's like, how many Super Bowls would Belichick have really won if he never got Tom Brady? Well, especially if Tom Brady goes to Tampa and then they're playing the NFC Championship game or, or you know, the Super Bowl. I mean, could you imagine Tom Brady goes to Tampa, not only is the first quarterback to ever or first team to ever play in their own stadium for a Super Bowl and win it. Like, um, imagine that. Like, if he is able to accomplish all of that, given what he's already done. Like, people say sometimes arguably the greatest of all time now. No, he is the greatest of all time. There is no argument. That would be, like, just putting him so far and ahead away of everyone else just because it's so hard to be able to win another Super Bowl with another team. Um, I mean, you can even ask, you know, Peyton Manning being able to win in Indian Denver and just how, how difficult that probably was for him after they got there the first time and got blown out and realizing how far they really were away of being able to to challenge a team like Seattle that year. And in fact, uh, Peyton, you know, it's that second Super Bowl for a quarterback like Peyton with a different team is so important that like people don't even, we're not, we're not even five years removed from it. People don't even mention that Manning was like a shell of himself for that into almost that entire season. Right. Well, I mean, look, he got replaced by Osweiler. I mean, look, I know yeah. there's an injury involved. Yeah, bench for Osweiler. Yeah. There, bench, there was, he paid Manning bench for Brock Osweiler. Say it out loud. Like, like it happened. Like, and, they, and he was kept off the field probably longer right there's those stories of him like flicking off the security camera when he'd go over those throwing sessions and all that basically saying like f you to john elway like i'm ready like put me back in and they even held off on that until what week 17 i believe versus the chargers in their place then he yeah. came in and essentially made some good run checks to help them win that game like and when you go back to that year and really look back at it you know again he helped them but in large part that defense was a big piece of why they won it that's right uh, all right coming up on Wednesday, we're going to have a uh, Tom Brady episode in which we break down Tom Brady's best moments and interviews with two former XFL players, or I guess P.J. Walker, now a Carolina Panthers player, and Jordan Tayamu. Look at us doing actual football journalism by interviewing actual NFL players who used to be in the XFL. Very exciting stuff. Brady Quinn, thank you for all of your time today. I know that um, you – actually, you know what? I'm keeping you away from your family, so you're welcome. No, I still have to do more work here. So oh, you do? I, yeah, my day is not done. Hey, here's what here's what my wishes for you. I hope you go crack a toughie or two, all right, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you go have a good rest of the day. You try to enjoy it. You don't worry about any of this other stuff going on out there, Will, all right, and same to everyone else out there listening. Your, your grace under pressure is truly magnanimous. Well, uh, and I'm can, not a big fan of you, grace usually, but your grace. Saving, you could call me saving grace, if you will. And uh, that may be, there may be more to that, that saving grace than, uh, than people. Yes. Re- they may call me killed by grace. <laughs> All right, Brady. I'll see you later. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.